welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, we're going to get started. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> Welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. My name is Craig, and I'm from San Antonio. Hey, and I'll be your facilitator for this session. I'm also joined by Dave H., from Nashville. Uh, the name of this meeting is Humility. My ego is not my amigo. Has anybody heard that before? Okay. Well, that's good because I I try to coin that phrase in San Antonio. It fits me so well. Um, please take a moment to silence your electronic devices. If you need to use yours during this meeting, please take it outside. We ask that you not make any personal recording of this or any meeting. Please join me in a moment of silence for the sexaholic that still suffers, followed by the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. In the spirit of carrying the essay message, this meeting is being recorded. If you are not sure your share will be appropriate on the topic, please participate by listening. The recording equipment will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so that the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Okay, we're going to get started, and um, I think Dave will start first. Hi, everybody. My name is Dave, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hey, and uh, by the grace of God in this fellowship and you people, I've been uh, sexually sober since August 1st, 1985, something for which I am frequently but never sufficiently grateful. Um, my qualifiers... Um, uh, Compulsive masturbation, use of pornography, uh, fantasy, sexualizing, fantasizing, objectifying, uh, dependency relationships, voyeurism. Um, so that's, and I have multiple character defects uh, that are all centered around my self-centered fear. Um, I consider my character defects to be my lust, my anger, my judgmental spirit, my people-pleasing, my dishonesty, my pride, my gossip, my worry, my feeling that I'm not enough, my comparing myself with others. Um, so um, when I was asked to talk about this topic, um, I've been spending a lot of time in steps six and seven. And so it just... It just seemed really appropriate. And, you know, I, I just wanted to, to share that uh, um, I really like our literature. You know, this is good stuff. And uh, 
for me, you know, when I, when I came into the program, um, um, Roy had just, you know, I have a version of the white book when it was a brown book, and it was eight and a half by eleven. Okay, it was uh, um, the first one that came out uh, prior, you know, prior to that in uh, in the mid eighties. You know what we had for a big book was uh, a bunch of essays that uh, Roy had written about various and sundry topics. And uh, uh, when I when I came in in '85, uh, if you asked for a big book, what you got was this brown eight and a half by eleven uh, compilation of those of of those essays. And so when the white book came out, there you know a lot of changes. Um, all that to say that um, for me, you know, my pattern when I first worked my 12 steps was the AA Big Book and and the 12 and 12. And for me, um, it was it was a bit of a challenge. Um, you know, I, I think you know, particularly uh, on, on how it works, you know, it really helps me do my fourth step with my sponsor. Um, but I really like the way we do it, step into action, because it, it talks about the step, it talks about what it means, and then it has opportunities for members to talk about how they've worked that step. That, you know, that's why I go to meetings, right? Um, you know, we talk about the program. You know, for me, you know, the program, definition of the program is working the steps with your sponsor within this fellowship. So, if, if any one of those is missing, in, in my judgment, you're not working the program. You know, you're doing it on your own. Um, if you're doing it outside of the fellowship, you're not getting the benefit of, of hearing how other people are working their steps. Um, so this, this volume is, is very important to me. You know, I've got the work in process, uh, volume that was published in 2004. And, um, I've been spending a lot of time in that recently. I, I read a page a day in my in in, re, in of recovery literature because it was suggested to me a, a long time ago. And uh, another another book that I've been reading that I that I read every day is As Bill Sees It. And if you look in the back of of that book or in the front of that book, you know every topic you can imagine is covered. And under humility, there are probably Maybe 30 different readings. And so as, as I prepared to come here, I'm not sure exactly what's going to come out yet, but I've been, I've been reading something about humility every day. And, and, uh, for me, it's, it's working on my character defects and, and being honest with myself and with others in my life. Um, and, and part of you, humility means also to give myself a break occasionally. Um, I'm a human and I make mistakes. And I know uh, after being in this program for 32 years that God loves me unconditionally and, and has given me more than I ever could have dreamed of. Um, as, as, I, as I was saying in the I've been talking for two hours, so if I sound a little tired, um, one of my favorite topics is uh, dating, and uh, I, I dated in sobriety 
Um, I was uh, got married on uh, two days after my 11th sobriety birthday, so it's a topic that's really near and dear to my heart because when I came in, there weren't a lot of people dating. It, almost everybody seemed to be married, and so um, that was an opportunity for it's an opportunity, even though I've been married for 22 years now, uh, to uh, give back. And but one of the things I've learned, particularly in marriage and around my family and kids is are these character defects that come up every day. You know, uh, I, I actually had this belief that God was going to take these things away. And uh, um, they've gotten better, And uh, but I have to continually work on them. And I do that by doing a, a tenth step. Um, I try to do that daily. I don't always succeed. Um but I talk about the things I did right, uh, the things that were a challenge to me, my lust hits in the previous 24 hours. So I'm, I'm always have to be cur- uh, current and up to date about lust. Um, that that's what I'm powerless over. You know, my my problem is a problem of lack of power. I have no power. I am powerless, and I get the power that I need from you know the God of my understanding. And and uh, so humility. Uh, I'll read something out of, uh, as Bill sees it, I, that, that really kind of sums it up for me. It's on, I think it's page 36. We found many in SA who once thought, as we did, that humility was another name for weakness. They helped us to get down to our right size. By their example, they showed us that humility and intellect could be compatible provided we place humility first. When we, when we began to do that, we received the gift of faith, a faith which works. This faith is for you too. And where humility formerly stood for force-feeding on humble pie, it now begins to mean the nourishing ingredient that can give us serenity. Um, I was humiliated a lot as a kid. I was small. Um, I wasn't very physically coordinated. Um, we, you know, gym class was a nightmare for me. Um, it was open showers. It was uh, um, being tested to do things that I couldn't do physically, and I felt very much less than. I didn't go through puberty until I was 17. So, um by the grace of God, we didn't have to take uh, P.E. in our senior year of high school when I finally went through puberty, but I was embarrassed to be in the locker room. So I, I knew all about humiliation. Um, so that was my version of humility. Uh, what I've learned in, in, in recovery is that is me seeing myself as God sees me. Um, no better or no worse. Um, it's really hard for me to see that no worse part. Um, um, it's, you know, I, I am hard on myself and it's, it's hard for me to give myself a break when I, when things don't come off the way I would like for them to, to do. Uh, humility is also for me admitting when I'm wrong. Um, and particularly, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't rec, I didn't witness, uh, anger. I, I, I witnessed rage for my dad. And uh, uh, so much, uh, it was a violent rage. And uh, 
So uh, I now know that it was probably triggered by fear because that's that's when when I get angry, I realize, uh, particularly at my kids, that's that's what I that's what's triggering it is my fear of something. And um, so going back to my kids and making amends to them after I've 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 been I've raised my voice or I've spoken in a mean tone um, is really important for me. And I, I know I'm making progress when one of my kids say, you know, you're going to come back, have to come back and apologize. If you keep going, you're going to have to come back and apologize to me later. And sometimes that actually does stop me. And uh, I'm able to say, yeah, you're right. So um, I think I've probably gone long enough here. Um, that's that's uh, okay. I've got a couple more minutes. So. Um, so as again, I, I try to read something out of this book um, about continuing to work my character defects. Uh, what's been helpful for me is to to do my tenth step, talk about the things that I I did right. You know, if I um, made a phone call, I I took phone calls, um, I prayed, I meditated, I read. Uh, those are the things that I have to do every day to maintain my sobriety. If I talk, if I, I had a issue with dishonesty, which is, you know, I was a, a compulsive liar. Um, I, I lied when I didn't have to lie. I, and it was mostly about trying to tell you what you wanted to hear, what I thought you wanted to hear from me. Um, so I have to, I have to, I, I did it the other day. Uh, one of my uh, coworkers pushed me about something, and I ended up lying about what I had done. I had to go back and make amends to him and, and, and tell him, you know, that I I had misspoken and and that I was sorry. Um, but I can still justify a lie under the right kind of circumstance. So I, you know, I have to make my amends. I have to do it uh, quickly, and that keeps me where I need to be. Um, the harder part for me is giving myself a break when I when I when I mess up, and uh, recognize that uh, you know I've made a mistake, and uh, um, that's usually where my sponsor comes in when I when I say you know I I opened my mouth and I did this today and and uh, and and I I guess I'm, maybe I'm making some progress because he usually starts laughing at me and. Uh, and breaks the move, and it breaks the mood, and says, "You know, isn't it good that we can laugh at ourselves?" Um, so that's where I'm at today. Um, I'm grateful for y'all. Um, um, the the steps have given me a discipline in my life that um, has reaped rewards for me that are immeasurable, and so. Um, and with that, I'll shut up and turn it over to Craig. Thanks. I'm Craig. I'm a sexaholic. Um, because of this program, I've been sober since April 30th, 2014. I'm very grateful for that. Um, I've been in the program for close to 11 years now. And one of the reasons why my sobriety date is not 11 years is because of this topic. Um, I am the poster child for a big ego. I came to San Antonio about eight years ago and came into the program, and all I cared about was me. 
Um, why was that? Well, I could have blamed it on my dad, because I remember when I was about seven or eight years old, uh, he said, you're a big shot with nothing. Uh, eight years old, I'm a big shot with nothing. Um, I could have blamed it on a lot of people. Uh, the one thing that I have considered and some people have told me was that they were born with this disease, and I, and I humbly agree that I was born with this disease. And when I say that, I truly mean it. I don't have to prove it to anybody. I, I understand why that is. Um, and that takes a lot of things off the table. It takes a lot of resentments off the table. I stop blaming people when I know that I was born with this disease. So the ego, I'll give you, I can give you hundreds of examples of my ego. <laughs> hundreds. Uh, we don't have time for that, but I'm going to give you one right here. It's this sweatshirt. I wore the sweatshirt today because it says something on there that I'm very proud of, but it also displays my ego. When I came into this program, I lied about the school I went to. I told everybody I went to the Harvard Business School. I went to Harvard Business School. I didn't go to Harvard Business School. I went to the Cornell Business School. Now, why did I say I went to the Harvard Business School? Because I wanted everybody to know that I was the smartest guy in the world, and I was coming into San Antonio, and I was going to tell everybody everything I knew about business and how to run a business. And um, that's my ego. It, this wasn't good enough for me. It wasn't good enough for me. That's one example. I wanted to, um, one of the things, I am not perfect at this, but one of the things I often do is I define words because it's easy for everybody to understand something because it's not my definition. My definition is because my, I change definitions of words because my ego says that's what I should do um, to make things clear to everybody else. Um, but in this case, I define it from a dictionary, and this one's perfect for me. It's a pers uh, This is ego, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. It also says the psychoanalysis of ego is the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality, testing, and a sense of personal identity. When I was in my disease, I was unconscious. I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know what I was saying. I didn't care what anybody believed because in my head, that's what I believed. Um, and I tried to force that belief on other people. It was just a sense of, it was a sense of control. And I've learned, um, from this program. Now I did, because my dad was the way he was and he made me feel worthless, um, and not enough. I had to prove to him that I was better than that. And I worked my way up in business and I did very well. But my ego got me in trouble. My ego is not just my, not a, my amigo. It's my enemy. It works against me. And it forces me to lie and cheat and steal and pick people that are wrong for me. Um, I've uh, been married three times. Um, and it's all because uh, I wasn't the person they thought they were marrying. And that was my ego. I made myself bigger than I really was. My ego also got in the way of understanding who God was. Um, God of my understanding wasn't as smart as me, wasn't as big as me. And so I did things 
because I wanted to, because I could do that, and because I wanted to control other people. And what I learned in this program is if I wanted to believe in a higher power of my understanding, it, it wasn't that I had to make God bigger in my life. It was that I had to make myself smaller. I can't make God bigger. God is God, and that's who he is or she is. I had to make myself smaller. Well, how did I do that? It's called humility. Um, as, as Dave mentioned, which is very correct, humility is not humiliation. It's not. And when you have a big ego, you, f- you feel that if you have to make yourself a little bit less, then you're humiliating yourself because you think you're actually bigger than you really are. And therefore, it's not humiliation. Humility is thinking um, not less of your thinking less of yourself. I'm sorry. Thinking, thinking is not thinking of yourself less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Okay. I'm sorry. It gets me mixed up sometimes too. I, as I said, um, I'm not perfect at this. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. So when I first came into this program, I had all the answers. I went through the steps in about three weeks by myself. Um, I kept acting out. I couldn't stay sober. Um, and it says in the big book, I can't remember the exact page, but you probably are very familiar with this statement. Um, I was the director. Uh, I added a lot of words to this. I, I was the producer. I wrote the show. I acted in the show. I had this big theater where I actually were selling tickets to my family to prove to to them that I was the star of the show. Well, after years of doing that, the people started leaving the theater. My mom, my dad, my wife, my son, my daughter, my friends. One of the reasons why we isolate in this program is because of that. We have nobody left. I have nobody left except my brother um, and my niece, his daughter. And I had to make a choice at that point. This is how I became humble. I had to make a choice. Either I was going to die because nobody was left and isolation was killing me, or I had to start taking direction from people who knew better than me. My sponsors, people in the fellowship. I joined SA 10 years ago, but four years ago, when my kids stopped talking to me because I acted out with the stripper and the stripper called my kids and uh, told them, told her everything. Um, I tell this story because it's a really important story to me. Um, and my daughter called me and said, I just, I just heard from somebody that you were dating. You told me you met somebody at Starbucks. But it was a stripper who called me and told me everything about you. And the next time I want to see you is when I visit you in your funeral. If that's not a humbling experience, if I wasn't affected by that, I don't know what I would have done. I turned around. And that's what humbled me. My ego was gone. Because when your kids say something like that to you, it's over. At least for me. For me. So I started listening. 
I got sober immediately. I stopped acting out. I stopped going to strip clubs. I stopped doing everything. And I went to 90 minutes, 90 uh, meetings, 90 days. Got a sponsor. Started listening. And I, and I started this program. I started getting sponsees. I started listening to them. And then I started listening to people who had the same issue as me with their kids. And I thought, you know, there was hope. So I, I called my ex-wife, their mom, who I was divorced for at least 20 years, and I said, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I need your help. This is a humbling thing to do, you know, when you have a big ego and then you have to lose it very quickly. And so she says, you know, Craig, I don't know what to do. You know, they're 30 years old. They make their own decisions. So I just waited. I sent birthday cards. I acknowledged my grandkids being born, all those kinds of things. It says do the next right thing. Well, I was doing the next right thing. And I prayed and I prayed to God and God's will. Um, please, you know, I want my kids to, to know, you know, what I'm doing. Well, I didn't have their phone numbers. I let it, I just kept doing what I was told to do. So after three and a half years, my son called me. He read a book. He got spiritual. And he said, Dad, I can't live without you. I need you in my life. I'm having problems and I need to talk to you. It wasn't sexual problems. It was just problems. He didn't have a dad to talk to. And he called me. And I went out to California to see him, and he um, and we just started talking. And my daughter still wasn't talking to me. And then on New Year's Day, this past New Year's Day, my daughter called me. Experience, strength, and hope. There it is, right there. I didn't do anything, anything, except make me smaller and make and give give it all to my higher power. Let him do it. And for those of you who have this kind of issue, I'd love to talk to anyone. You just gotta do the right thing and take the right actions. Um, and that's, that's what works. So that's my experience in that. One of the things about these conventions, this is my eighth convention, is listening. It's one thing about ego is set aside your ego and listen to learn. Don't let your ego get in the way of your sobriety, of your recovery. Listen to learn. Take take the positives out of the out of your convention. Take your positives out of your meetings. Listen to your sponsor. Take the positives out of that. The four words that I I never use anymore is <laughs> I know and yeah but. <laughs> I don't know and I don't want to say that he doesn't know either. That keeps, that keeps me humble. I don't know. You know, it's, it's easy. You know, we have these conversations in the hallways here, and I'm listening to two people. And in the past, I used to go into that conversation and say, oh, I used to do that, and I used to do that, and I was in charge of that, and I was in charge. Not anymore. I just listen. And if somebody asks me something, I'll respond, but I'd never, you know, force my way into a conversation anymore. I'm, I'm not perfect at this. It's going to take more time. Um, the other thing I want to say, and I'll and I'll and I'll stop, is um, there's a lot of horrible things that have happened to me in my life. A lot of horrible things, which I'm not going to all discuss today. But a lot of horrible things. Some of them were actually true. 
<laughs> Some of them actually happened. Because my head is not there all the time. I make things up in my head. And some of those became real, like Harvard. That became real for me. It's not true. A lot of things became real for me. Not true. And I, and I say this at our meetings here in San Antonio. 95, 90%, 85%, doesn't really matter, of things that I come in contact with every day have absolutely nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. The other 10 or 15%, I leave it up to my higher power. And then it becomes 100%. Everything I leave up to my higher power. When there's a red light and I, I have to stop, I can't go through it, I, get, I used to get pissed. When somebody cut me off on the road, I used to get pissed. It had nothing to do with me. Nothing. So why, do I, why, why does that happen? Because my ego got spoiled at that moment. And um, so I need to think less of myself. It's really hard. When I used to get it, and I'll, I'm sorry, I was going to end with, I want to say one more thing because this is very helpful to me and my sponsees um, who are mostly married, all of them are married, and they get into arguments with their wife all the time. And their wife, um, you know, demeans them or says, gets angry at them for some reason. I say to them, you got to do the opposite of what I used to do. Just say, you may be right. Or say nothing. Or walk out of the room and say, this is not a good time to talk. Because when they get angry at you and you get angry back, you're just feeding into their fear. They need to recover as well. And you got to give them that opportunity. you got to hold back. And don't let your ego force the situation back into their uh, arena because you're just feeding it and you're just, you know, continuing that that problem and after a while and it takes some time after a while at least for me and for my sponsees as well they'll back off they'll actually feel bad that they're yelling at you because you're just not responding anymore and they may have some empathy towards you that's my that's my advice i hate giving advice but i'm just going to tell you that's what works for me um it has worked for me and it's working for me today so um with that Dave, we're going to read this, and we're going to invite you up to share. Um, move my ugly sweatshirt. And then uh, we're going to move here. Uh, let me just read this. Um, here are the guidelines for sharing at this meeting. In sharing, we ask that members with five years or more first of sobriety will share first, then one to four years, and if time allows, others will be invited to share so it, as to focus on the solution. If you would like to share, please come up ahead of your turn and make a line by sitting in the assigned chairs up front. When it is your turn to share, please speak clearly in the mic so that everyone can hear you. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language, the emphasis on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and 12 traditions in our daily lives. Now, crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting too inappropriately explicit or focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution. They may so signify by quietly raising their hand, although this is an anonymous meeting. Please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. Please do not share any felony for which you have not been adjudicated, else will be required to inform law officials to protect the injured. Please be mindful of what you share 
to not break your own or another member's anonymity. So if you would like to share, please come up. Um, five years or more first, if possible, and then we'll go from there. Ooh, a lot of people here. I'll give you two minutes. <clears throat> give me a uh, good afternoon, family. I'm Zev Goldstein. I'm a sexaholic from Muncie, and I don't want to be in this meeting, but my sponsor told me I had to come here, so here I am. Ego is not my amigo. Uh, I don't have any amigos, I guess. Um, I am grateful that I can be at a, a meeting. I'm grateful that I can be available to others. I am grateful that I have, thank God, uh, acquired, I picked up a six-year chip uh, uh, January 5, 2018. Except I didn't because I didn't get to a meeting that morning because I was uh, I was ill. But I got my, my chip. So what does this mean, Craig? Dave, my ego is not my amigo. I'm not quite sure, but I do know that God will speak through me if I simply get out of the way and let my God, my higher power, Great Pumpkin, talk to you. Great Pumpkin. That's, uh, are, are you going to time me now? Are, are we starting? Okay, now, now I start? Now I start? Good. This is, this, this is called the Zev experience. Um, I do service. I have found that service is the only substitute for um, for uh, sexual excitement. That that is a that, that's a fair substitute. Um, it says in the big book, the uh, we have found that nothing will so ensure our sobriety as intensive work with other people, and that's true. So I have a meeting. I I'm a I don't like Harvey, but I do have a meeting in my office every Tuesday and Friday mornings and now Sunday mornings also because, number one, it makes sure I get to a meeting at least three times a week because I didn't have to open the door and let people in, and there would be no meetings. So I, and I need meetings. I meetings, 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 meetings. Ego. Um, ease God out. Edge God out. Uh, my ego is not my self-worth. I, I, I am God-dependent. When I'm Zeb-dependent, that's when my ego gets in the way. When I'm God-dependent, my ego is not in the way. I'm small. I don't need to be wonderful. I, that I am is beside the point. Right, yeah. And, and I use humor usually to push away fear or um, un, uncomfortable feelings. But I also use it because I'm just an optimistic kind of guy and it pleases me to be that way. So said Jess L. in a tape that I recall. Anyway, thank you all, family, um, and don't be shy. Come on up. You know, there's still two chairs over here that are empty. And if this happens, you know what's going to happen? That tape is going to be empty. And then it's going to be bad for Lee. So come on up. Come on. Come be. Thanks, Thanks. <laughs> that was wonderful. Hi, I'm Spencer. I'm a sexaholic. I just came up because he told me to, but no, just kidding. Um, no, I've been thinking um, a lot. Uh, I 
I'm a very open person, um, and I share a lot with everyone. I uh, often am trying to kind of, I don't know, I always feel when I'm in meetings, this is the thought that I had, so I'll share it, try and be brief, but is that whenever I hear something, I'm like, oh man, like, this would be so good for so-and-so to hear this because then they'd know how awesome SA is. Or, like, you know, whether it's my parents who are awesome and, and, you know, involved in it. And I'm like, I was sitting here, I was like, man, I need to, (laughs) and I hope I do this sometimes. Maybe I don't, and that's why I don't have sobriety. But it's like, man, I need to listen for me, you know. I need to listen for me. And instead of trying to always pitch, I'm a salesman by profession, trying to pitch people on how awesome SA or AA is or why the spirituality and, and those things. It, it, anyway, so I was like, I just realized that that's something that I've been doing is in the meetings, I need to sit there and listen for me um, and realize where I'm off. Um, so anyway, thanks, I'm Spencer. Jacob Sexalk. Um, I found recently, like literally in the past month, that uh, I need to shut my mouth. Um, I talk way too much. Um, you know, friends are talking about things and, you know, in school, politics or how to work through problems. And I, I have my opinion on everything and I think I'm always right. That's where my ego gets in. Um, and even even through going, this was before, but even going through the steps, uh, now I think I know better because now I've gotten my life. So, you know, if everybody followed me, then everybody would be God. Um, and uh, that's not true because, and along with that also, people working the program, I think that, uh, you know, whatever my sponsor says and whatever I think, that's how everybody should work their program. And... Uh, it's a very humbling experience when people say, well, that's how you work your program or, you know, people that know I'm in program that aren't in program. That's because you're working the 12 steps. I have a different solution. I have a different way. Uh, I'm not an addict. And um, I have to remember, hey, that's me being egotistical. Um, that's me letting uh, etching God out, as my rabbi likes saying. Um I, I I love I, and, and I hate it, but I love it. I hate when people say, you know, Jacob, you're being really, really egotistical right now, and you're being very self-centered. But that's a call out, and I I walk away from that, and I'm like, you know, I go write a, a fourth and fifth on him. But I realize how ama- how amazing that was for me, and how much of a humbling experience that was. So thank you. Hello, Lane, Sexaholic. I'm from here in San Antonio. And I just wanted to do a quick share on um, the lesson that I've learned over the last probably six to nine months. Uh, I've been in recovery for a little over two years. Uh, But just in the last six to nine months, I've learned that destroying myself with shame and humiliating myself in my head is not humility. Um, That's what I thought humility was um, when I first got caught in what I was doing. If I could destroy myself enough, I would finally find humility. Um, And what I've learned with the help of a great sponsor um, and um, a therapist who actually helped me in one of these days where I was just telling him, you know, I'm just still so arrogant and conceited and I 
And he said, walk me through your day today. What would you do? And I had been to a meeting and I had prayed and I had, I had taken tangible steps of humility that I was not willing um, to recognize in myself. And so I guess, you know, first of all, thank you all for taking a huge step of humility and coming to this convention. Um, you help all of us. We help each other. Um, getting yourself to a meeting is a step of humility, and it's okay um, to recognize those small steps because what I've learned is the, the best way to recognize if I'm, if I'm back in an old life of arrogance is look at my actions. Um, if my actions are recovery-oriented, um, I can comfortably say I'm acting in humility and not feel arrogant for saying it. If I'm berating people, berating myself, um, skipping meetings, uh, fudging on things, I can know that I'm not humble. So I guess, you know, the, the sum of my share is just it, it is okay to recognize, um, and sometimes take a step of humility to, to know that, that you're working recovery. Thank you. Hi, I'm Marsha. I'm a sexaholic. So my ego tells me that I'm the most humble person in the room. And the ego is a burden to me. Um, it's my fear of not being enough that causes me to attach things to myself, like possessions or status, um, that build up my ego, which is this false sense of being okay. So one of my favorite meditations to do is subtracting all of that. If I take away my possessions, my status, the people around me, even body parts, if I lose an arm, am I still me? Like how much can I take away and still have the essence of me? And when I do that, I see how much I think is me really isn't. And I'm not my job. I'm not my relationships. I'm not any of these things. I'm something much less than that. And then I feel freer um, because it, it is a heavy burden to carry the ego around. And when I can let that go, I feel like I float more through the world just being this essence that's me. Thank you. Hi, I'm Peter uh, T. from the San Francisco Bay Area. Peter. My uh, first meeting was 4 January 1988, known Roy K. Uh, so I, the, the acronym, Edging God Out, Ego. Um, when I'm in the problem, I'm clearly edging God out. Uh, my definition of false pride as opposed to real pride is exaggerated, uh, un, unjustified exaggerated opinion of myself. So when I'm feeding my ego, when I'm in the director's chair producing the movie, you know, feeling whatever I want to feel, doing whatever. So if when I'm trying to play God, um, uh, it's a false self. And not only is it a false self, I'm not in the moment. I think one of the uh, earlier uh, breakout sessions was, you know, being in the moment. Uh, and you know you're not in the moment or you're feeding your ego in that state, false self, when you're essentially nowhere. 
But if God's in the picture, nowhere becomes now here. You're in the moment. And that's truth. And God's just truth. Um, related to that, timing's everything. And what I noticed about your share about your daughter calling you on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day was you are now here. You, the timing was perfect, and, and God was able to do what we can't do for ourselves. Thank you for your share, Thank you. Peter. Thank you. You're all invited to come up. everybody. I'm Steve G. from Brantford, Connecticut, and I'm a sexaholic. Uh, and I'm very grateful to the organization of this uh, convention uh, for being exactly what I need to be in terms of humility, because I was that guy who was supposed to have eight years of sobriety now, which I chose to give up uh, with full intent uh, at the end of October. So I can't be the first guy sharing, and I can't be up at the table, and that's it's humbling for me. I was a very low-bottom sexaholic in 2009, having worked on my sexual addiction, which I self-identified for 12 years through non-12-step means because I was better than that. When I was as low as I could go, I crawled into these rooms and I was sober from that point on. And, um, you know, it was in fact uh, privileged uh, to help organize the Baltimore Convention and that for me, was a process of smaller, 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 giving up ego. And after that convention, I had a true big book kind of spiritual experience. And uh, then I had a, a job opportunity that involved moving to Connecticut where there's very little SA. And although in my little town, there's a quite a big SAA program, I wasn't going to go to that because we all know about that. I was... <laughs> So, uh, so I was, the, you know, I was chosen part of the mission to be the, uh, you know, the Johnny Appleseed of SA in Connecticut, and I started a meeting which I'm very proud of uh, in New Haven. But because of my ego, when I started really slipping uh, emotionally a year ago or so, I couldn't share. I couldn't be small. I couldn't be the guy on the bus because how could I do that? And um, so, uh, end of story. Is I, I took my will back. And uh, and I went out there. And you know what? It's not any better now than it was uh, however many years ago. And uh, and that's okay. And you know what? And I went out one more time, and I haven't shared that with my group. So my, my sobriety date is December 12th. I'm proud of it. I'm clean since then. This has been a wonderful convention for me to get honest with myself. And I'm grateful to all of you, as I always am, for keeping me sober one day at a time. Thanks. Hi, my name is Yosef. I'm a sexologist. I have a very big ego. Um, I always thought I was better than every all the other people, and um, I believe that's one of the reasons why I just can't function very well in life. I I was in the program a few years ago for a very short while, and I left the program because I thought I'm better than everyone else. I'm not a sexaholic. These are all a bunch of losers. They all talk about how they have a problem with sex and what's a sexaholic? Oh, there must be something wrong with them. And there's nothing wrong with me. I just have a small problem. Um, I remember in high school, I, I would think I was better than everybody else, but at the same time, I had no friends. So I 
I was just uh like um like the someone said in the previous year, um he had I don't remember what he said, I can't but um what brought me into the program is I realized that my life is unmanageable and um not and I still have a big ego but I am forced to be in the program because I have to make a choice in my life. Am I either going to live or am I either going to die? And I I don't want to listen to other people, but I I have I have to because do I want to survive? I you know my whole life I thought that well growing up I thought I was going to ha- make a lot of money, I was going to have a lot of friends, I was going to be this rich and powerful person and I was going to be something big and people are going to respect me. And I live now I'm 27. I live with my parents. I drive a little car. I make very little money and I just, I don't function. And, and I realized that it, my ego is, is just getting in the way of everything. Um, Okay. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Hi, Michael. Great for having a uh, sexaholic from New Jersey. Um, great, great topic. Great leads. Thank you both. Um, and great shares. Yeah, ego is uh, something I, I struggle with. I love the concept that God, God can't get any bigger, so that means I need to get smaller. Um, you know, someone else mentioned about the, the formats of, of this convention and, you know, the, the, the longer-term sobriety going first, and the, there's also the emphasis on Q&A, and um, I, I was very, you know, the, indignant about that, you know, <laughs> when I had a lot of uh, uh, thoughts and, and things that I needed to communicate to the committee and to, like, you know, how this is horrible and wrong, and... Uh, and actually, I started to fill out the the feedback form this morning, you know, with all the the criticism and, you know, and and you know, the person with the longest sobriety is the one who woke up earliest this morning and all that kind of. And that's true, you know. I mean, it is one day at the time. Um, but what it was forcing me to do is to be humble, you know, um, in a good way, because um, I've been in the program a long time, and I, I, by the grace of God, I have five months now, and and I'm and I really am grateful for that. And this has been a clean five months, but. Part of me wants to be the guy who is leading and, you know, giving the, the keynote and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's just not where I am right now. And it's just accepting, uh, accepting where I am. A, fr- a friend of mine said recently that it's not just accepting life on life's terms, it's accepting life on God's terms. And, and God has me where exactly where He wants me. And, um, it's, it's to be here, it's to be humble. Um, is to be listening, you know, because I much rather would want to pontificate and share than actually listen. And so it's teaching me how to do that. So I, I told myself I'm going to wait to the end of the convention before I write out any kind of feedback <laughs> and uh, and see where I am there. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you. We'll just take these two more. Duster Grateful Sexologist from Utah. Um Sober since November 9, 2013. And my, I have a question, actually. Um, Dr. Tebow said that the ego has amazing recuperative powers, and that seems to be true in my life. Whenever life's going good, whenever recovery's going good, my ego's back. Um, how do you keep the ego at bay when life's going good and recovery's going good?
Well, like I said, uh, I'm Dave. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, you know, for me, um, doing an accurate assessment of myself is is the key. And uh, um, I, on one hand, I want to beat myself up when I make a mistake. On the other hand, I want to pat myself on the back when I do something well. And and when I try to write it down and see it in black and white, uh, it forces me to share it. That's just the way it works. And so when I go to meetings, I talk about, you know, um, I got my format for my daily 10 step out of the, uh, out of the, uh, step into action step four. Somebody suggested the high, the less tips in the last 24 hours, the things that they did right, things like taking phone calls, making phone calls, going to meetings, meditating, prayer, reading, uh, the things that I struggled with on that given day. And then I usually, when I, after I finish that, I write a prayer. You know, God help me with this. And um, when I have it in the forefront, I, I've got a balanced picture of where I'm at. I, um, when I need to talk about stuff, I talk about it because I just wrote it down. And uh, and that helps me keep balance and, and recognize that I'm not doing this. You know, God is. I am powerless. Thanks. Just uh, one more thing I would I would add is when you go to your meetings, try not sharing in a meeting. Try it. Just try not sharing. My name is Gavin. I'm a sexaholic from Portland, Oregon. My uh, sobriety date is December 7, 2011. I'm very grateful to be here, very grateful to be clean and sober today. Um, you know, humility to me is tied directly to rigorous honesty because um, I am great at minimizing, and I've really focused by the only reason I've been in since 2006, so I'm a real fast learner. My spray is 2011, but uh, I, uh, I had to get my ego beaten up, and uh, part of that is rigorous honesty, and that means rigorous honesty in all my affairs, which means with my wife, with anyone in the fellowship, and that means that I can't handle any sort of lust. Um, it's not about what I did or what my triggers were or what caused me to, to get to my behaviors. It's the fact that as soon as I even have an awareness that, hey, after this meeting, Gavin, maybe I can reward myself and look up that whatever or whatever it is, there's no difference between just that thought and my worst, most humiliating acting out behaviors when I'd come into the rooms and, you know, surrender with volition and never again and all that noise. And so having the humility to be able to call my sponsor and tell a room full of strangers that, you know, whatever popped up in my head, I need to get it out. Uh, that gives me, it creates space for God to work is what I found and being able to, it's really critical to be able to not have an ego most importantly, get rid of the lie that, hey, I can handle it, um, even if it's the most fleeting thought that I'll never act on, but still just be able to get that out. So, thanks. Thanks, Okay, we're going to wrap up. Um, when we join in a circle, um, just remember what you hear, hear, see here, let it stay here. Let's uh, close with the third step prayer.
you might be extorted. I'm tired. I got you to do a lot of work. Thank you for sharing about your kids. I've got four adult kids who don't have anything with me. And one who got married and I wasn't invited. I've got a wife who only deal with me via email. And we're still married. Six years separated. Good Catholic, we're not going to force that. Whatever. And sometimes I use it as a badge of pride. It could be, you know, but I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm only, I only come to Christmas and that kind of worked out with the family therapist. That's the only kind that, although I, I did send my oldest son a men's letter by email, and he responded back six months ago. He responded back right away and said, Dad, I haven't read it yet. I do want you in my life. It's not you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.